Welcome to the Mike on Much Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Dearman. We're here with our friendly and trusted producer, Max Kerman. We also have our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham. Guys, before we get started, Max, your hair is getting long. Like you're, you're, I feel like you're going for Shane's corner uh, of the street here because Shane is the long hair guy on this podcast, but yours is getting significantly long. How long are you planning to go and are you liking this new look? I've been waiting for it to get enough weight to flop down, and I think it's beginning to happen. So it's actually quite exciting. It's, it, it's only really ever grown up, but now mm. with enough volume, it flops yeah. over. So that's good. That's good. Have I that's inspired good. you, Max? <laughs> yeah, I do wish I had straighter hair like yours. Your hair is very cool. It's very luscious. It's very nice. Uh, how are you guys doing, though? I'm excited to pod. Or where are you right now, Mike? You have an interesting piece of artwork behind you. Uh, that that is our artwork. We used to have that in the apartment actually in Toronto. Uh, mm. But so I'm at home. I'm just at home. But I'm actually on an angle where you can see the art. Where I normally uh, just okay. go with like a, a plain white background. But I've been thinking actually a little bit about you know because we're living in a Zoom world currently and people's backgrounds are you know they want to have the right books. You know your background says something about you. Do you guys put a lot of thought into what is behind you? And if you could start from scratch, like what? Because I've thought like you know like I have this really cool like signed Kawhi Leonard jersey that I got around the time of the. Um, it was a beautiful gift from a friend like around the time of the uh, the championship, but it's been sitting in like sort of the, the bag with the authentication whatever certificate and all that. But my plan is once I have like a proper office, is I'm gonna like put it in the glass and do the whole bit and hang it up. And I was like, would I want that behind me like in my my Zoom frame? And then I started thinking like, I don't know. Then it's like I'm like a is he a, is he a sports guy right off the bat? What if my you know what if I'm doing some sort of writing session that's more creative and they're immediately like, oh, he's a jock, you know? So I, I started thinking, do people put a lot of thought into sort of their backgrounds in their office? And do you guys, Maxi? We'll start with you. I don't really. Um, I don't really give a shit. But I do think that it is cool to have some like high-end, interesting-looking pieces of art or plants or something. But I, I do worry for you, Mike, if you go in the Kawhi direction. Mm. You're just like, oh, is the dude in his fucking man cave? Sure, he loves <laughs> exactly. his Toronto Raptors. Yes. It's kind of lame. And you're like in a creative industry. Yeah. So if, it's, if you had just a bunch of like Raptors insignia around you, unless it was <laughs> yeah, done it like by some like interesting like urban artist, it would not be cool. Yeah, uh, it's funny you say that Dan actually was finding these cool like basketball prints that was like like it was like urban art. She was like, maybe go this direction instead of like my foam number one hand and like, you know, my, my ticket stubs and shit like a 12 year old. Um, yeah. What about you, Shaney? Since I'm mostly it's just me here, like I, I don't really think about what other people are going to think because you haven't even been to my house yet, Mike, you know, and you're one of my closest friends. So <laughs> yeah. I try not to worry too much about what other people are going to think, because by and large, those people are never going to see it anyway. Uh, in terms of Zoom, as you can see, what do I have there? What is that? An animal of some sort? It, it's this is a little embarrassing because I have a. Um, it <laughs> looks it's like, like antlers. I, it looks. Like a, a it's antlers head? and a skull. It looks like I went out and killed an animal and said, "Yeah, that's my prize," and put it on my wall. But that's not a real. Those aren't real antlers. That's not a real animal. That oh, okay. that was never living. That was just decoration. I thought when I originally bought a house, I'm. I'm like, that would be cool to have, but you know, I don't think as much anymore, but here it is. And then I have this very large poster of Jason Williams, who was one of my favorite basketball players ever. And it inspires me. So I like having this, <laughs> it's probably about a four and a half foot poster of Jason Williams. I like having it up. And then I have all my favorite books on my bookshelf. Will I ever read them again? I don't know, but I do like having them there and it makes me feel creatively inspired. Cool. Yeah, I think collecting stuff is a terrible disease. I don't think it's good for our world that people get so into stuff. Uh, but I, there is a bit of a rub here because I do think supporting the arts is good. 
Um, so I think buying expensive artwork on one hand feels very bougie and very upper class. On the other hand, it's actually supporting a visual artist. So I'm kind of torn. Like, what do you guys think of that idea? It's like, if I, if let's say, you know, our Kells are having a really good year and I want to buy a painting for $5,000 or $10,000. Not that I've ever done that before. Is that bad or is that good? Because on one hand, I think it's bad because it's like, it's just something you put on the wall, but it, it, maybe it's good because I'm supporting this artist, but am I doing it because I'm supporting the artist or I just want to flex that I've just bought a $10,000 painting? But, I don't know. but if, if an artist is selling a painting for five grand, I mean, they're doing pretty well, right? Like that's a high <laughs> value piece. I would stick to the, tw- <laughs> so yeah, stick to the 20 to 500 range and support those artists. Mm, that's actually an interesting uh, technique I think we should all endorse is uh, I'm going to call it a technique is that you don't investment. go to any fancy gallery in Yorkville or something. You all, if you truly want to be a, a quote unquote purveyor of the arts, you just buy stuff off like local independent artists that are selling their stuff for under 500 bucks. I think that's a pretty good policy. That's what my in-laws do, mm-hmm. and they're uh, they're very supportive of local artists. And the art is amazing. I would say it's equally amazing as more expensive artwork, and it's a better investment because you buy it cheap. And then if that artist blows up or dies, whatever comes first, all of a sudden you have a lot of value. I see. Yeah. Um, okay. Speaking, I, I have a little question for you, Shane. I didn't want to say I have a bone to pick with you because that seems oh, like no. it's uh, yeah, too accusatory. Join the pile. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, confrontation in the first yeah. 10 minutes of the pod. Don't worry. I'm <laughs> quite it. used to it, Max. Well, I could, this, this I could actually... sneeze on this podcast right now and it would be an issue. When Shane sneezed <laughs> no, 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 no. and interrupted Mike, I was very offended. No, 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 no. This, yeah. this is actually my very point is that okay. I think it takes two to tango. And I think, and because we, we've been posting stuff on TikTok, by the way, if you're listening out there, follow Mike on much on TikTok. Um, there's going to be some new content, some repurposed content from the show, but it's all very fresh and fun. And um, I was reading some of the comments on TikTok and I was like, what is it about Shane and his face that just elicits people, people's reaction in such an intense way? Like, I don't know anybody who gets a reaction out of people like Shane uh, and and it's, and it's kind of fun in that way, though, because you want to, you know, get a conversation going. But then, <laughs> well, well, hold on. It's, okay. it's fun. It's uh, fun. For, it's fun for Max. Shane, is that fun for you? No, it's it's not fun for me. I, I dislike it a lot. <laughs> OK, I disagree, though. I don't think you do dislike it because, OK, we are we, we obviously talked about the tragic um, events in Kamloops a couple weeks ago. And. Mm-hmm. Somebody in the comments on Instagram said, did Shane really just ask, why did the children die, though? Mm-hmm. I know most Canadians weren't taught about residential schools, but they have been in the news and the abuses that occurred for there for years, particularly since the uh, Truth and Reconciliation Report. How can people really be this clueless? That was from Rocket Queen 2020. Yeah. Now, I agree that that was maybe a bit accusatory, or but it's a sensitive moment in the, in the culture. And, uh, you know, I, th- I feel like there's a little that bit is, of a, That comment uh, is so discouraging in my opinion and listen i get it everyone should know our history especially the atrocities that happened in residential schools and it's embarrassing not to but if someone knows nothing or maybe they know a little bit and they want to know more and they ask a question i don't think they should be made fun of and by the way the national post did an article recently titled why so many people died at indian residential schools and i don't think they were doing that just for my benefit so other people must have had similar questions to me okay so I agree, I agree with your retort. I didn't what do a I retort. Find to be intru- 
He oh, oh, you mean just now? Oh, right I, now. I thought you were going to get into but, how my wife went to defend me. Well, that's what I'm about to get into. Yeah. Oh, but really? I was going to, yeah, because missed, there is a response. There's a response from this family tree going, mm-hmm. hey, shaming people for asking questions is never the right way to go ever. It actually isn't glaringly obvious why the children died unless you look into it. Quote, abuse is a vague and a far-reaching word, and it's good to ask for more detail. Tuberculosis, the likely greatest killer, accidents, malnutrition, and the inability to receive proper medical care was the cause of death uh, for many of these children. This is not a time to be acting holier than thou or attacking people when they're allowing themselves to be vulnerable by asking questions. Now, I don't disagree with anything this family tree responded, but I do question conversations in the comments and and that kind of dialogue and how, not how useful it is, but just, I don't know. Like, it, it, I, I guess maybe I am questioning how useful it is. It Would it be better to go, I think parts of this, uh, of Alex's retort is good, but would it be better to be like, you know what? We're going to talk about this on the pod because I do love your... Um, I love your response right now. By the way, I totally agree. Mike is just smiling right now. <laughs> well, and as we all know, when you do a podcast, sometimes there is some artifice to it. And sometimes you ask questions you know the answer to. But look, I, I didn't know the answer before, four days before we recorded. And at that time, I did have the question, why did the children die, though? And this was after I had already heard on the news because it was of abuse and neglect. And I still have the question, but why? How? And then I learned more. And maybe the details don't matter to some people, but to me, I had an angry curiosity surrounding it. And then I learned about that there was a tuberculosis outbreak and that these students were trying to escape and they were freezing to death in the process. And there wasn't exactly great fire regulations and it was very unsafe in that way. And as a result, a lot of children died through fire-related deaths. And I was a little scared to ask questions like this also because I didn't want people to think I was an idiot. And I know how sensitive this topic is. I've been through this before. I've I've interviewed 10 months ago, I had interviewed Ashley Collingbull with my wife on this Family Tree podcast. Mm. Now, many of you probably know that she was Canada's first Indigenous Miss Universe. She's also an Indigenous activist and sexual assault survivor. So we went through her life story on that episode, and Alex and I were crying quite a bit. Alex was crying a little bit, though, as she was asking questions, and after the episode aired, she did get some flack for white women's tears, which I had never heard of before. So when it came time to record this episode, I was a little apprehensive how to approach it, to say the least, and I thought that if I asked a question that I had at one point, it would enlighten people in the way that it enlightened me when I researched it. However, I didn't mean to offend anyone who already knew this information. The people I hope derive value from that would be the people who would be too embarrassed to ask questions like that because someone would call them out and say, how clueless are you? That to me is is the antithesis of what we should be doing right now. And I, I agree with all of everything you said, mm-hmm. just and, and, and the nuances and all of that. I guess the question, and Mike, you can maybe help guide us here, is are comment sections any good? And this is actually going to be one of our topics when it comes to the CBC article, because they've yeah. just actually disabled their comment section. Because yeah. then that's actually, it was, again, because I think about like how we have a discourse, how we, how we can have honest conversations with each other without feeling attacked while we can be like open and vulnerable while where we can ask kind of maybe stupid questions but they mm-hmm. come from a good place uh comment yeah, sections yeah, are, yeah, can be great and they can be the problem is hiding your identity and just being you ever notice the rudest most inappropriate questions 
are that with someone has zero posts and they don't have the real name and zero followers and it's essentially just a burner account? Yeah. If everyone could be held accountable, I think that would cut down on it drastically. But until that can be policed, I think, yeah, the comments can be a very toxic place and very mentally distressing for the reporter. Yeah. So so for our listeners, the, the article that um, Max is referring to is essentially the CBC for one whole month is going to turn off all comments on any piece that they, they post by any journalist because journalists have been sort of attacked and it becomes personal and their names are on sort of the byline and then people will go at them in the comments. And Shane makes a great point about the anonymity of some of these sort of like toxic comments. But I think Max, what you're asking, what you're getting at is how valuable is it for the person who's putting it out there in the world? So, so say like our podcast or Family Tree or these journalists, if they put something out into the world um, and then somebody comments on it in like a super you know, derogatory, dismissive way, is there value in responding to them? Is that what you're asking, Max? Like, it's like, it's like, is it, is it, does it make sense to engage in the discourse? Yeah, I guess the question for me is like, because I do like listeners' responses. I think it's a good, like, and I think a lot of times when you're listening to a podcast, that's the greatest thing about it is that it feels very intimate. You almost feel like you're having a conversation with the three of us or what if you're listening mm-hmm. to any other podcast for that matter. You're just like, this is, I'm part of this conversation. And so you want to be able to go, hey, but Shane, like, really? And then you'd be able to defend yourself and then the person would go, oh, okay, cool, and be able to work through things. And I feel like with comments, you just don't get that human back and forth. Uh, and it often makes the thing worse or makes at least me as the reader of the comments not feel as good about it. But I know there's a catharsis, obviously, to the person asking the question mm-hmm. and to you or Alex responding to it too. So there's all those things uh, kind of being factored in there. Yeah, I guess I guess it's like, yeah, I don't know what the solution is. And, and, and the solution isn't just to shut the fuck up. They're only cutting off comments on Facebooks and things that can't be moderated. If they're letting comments come through through their website and they're just going to moderate them. And I think if it's asked respectfully and kindly and it actually leads to a real discussion rather than just a rude racist remark or something that is just very frivolous and mean, I think that's what they're trying to eliminate more than actual real conversations. It's the harassment that's the issue. It's it's not the comments or questions. Yeah, and Max, you know, to your, to your question about like you you you're seeing a back and forth now from say the creator and the 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 commenter, right? And especially if they lean troll, like it's like at the end of the day, it's like if it makes you feel good, if it is cathartic to respond, you know what I mean? Then it's like mm-hmm. respond. It's like I see the I see fights on Facebook and stuff. I've seen them in the past, and it's like you have to find out what your own level of comfort and what is best for your mental health. It's like I don't want to engage in a discourse on Facebook just because it's like what's it going to get me? Now I'm going to spend the day kind of waiting for a response and then perfectly articulating my response to that response, and it can be very draining. And I always like I'm like, what's the win here? What does a win even look like in this scenario? And then I personally won't engage because of that. That being said. I know lots of people that will be like, no, I'm drawing a line here. This is wrong. You've, you've misread the situation or your information is wrong. And they're going to respond. And, and Shane, I think, like, has always sort of been somebody who, you know, he's got like a sort of um, a code that he abides where he, if he feels like you've misunderstood him or misinterpreted him, and he's going to say something as opposed to just sort of letting it stay out there and moving on to the next thing. Yeah. And I think if that makes him feel good, then he should do that. That's good for him. Speaking of which, while we're on the topic, there was another comment. And again, it was regarding the same episode, the one where we talk about residential schools, amongst other things. And uh, this person loved the episode, with the exception of 
the Shane surprise at the end. She thought it was totally inappropriate that I brought on a girl and just tried to make her sound dumb and that it was inappropriate given the subject matter off the top, which was residential schools. Oh, and it also said I owe the girl an apology. Mm. Okay, this one's actually a little bit shocking, especially since once the bit dissolved, we admitted immediately we had always intended to reveal that Jillian was a normal person. And... By the way, Jillian is the name of that girl you were talking about in your comment. And just, I'm going to make this quick, just talking about Jill here for a second. Jillian is actually a grown woman. She runs her own business. She's a comedy professional. 99% of the comedic things I do in my life right now, I run by her for her approval. So yeah, the the person you're calling a girl is actually the one calling the shots in my comedic <laughs> life. So you better believe she had full agency over herself in that situation that I call her before I involve her in a comedic bit and I call her afterwards to have a postmortem to see how it went and to see what she thinks about it. And as discussed in the episode, Jill and I both knew there was a 95% chance of failure because it was a comedy <laughs> bit over Zoom. But we just wanted to give it a shot anyway because we thought maybe people would still laugh even if we failed. So I'm, I just want to make it really clear right now because you're probably going to hear me talking about Jillian a lot more in the future because I'm working on a big comedy project with her right now. And as for the question of is it even appropriate to have a comedic bit in that episode considering we did talk about residential schools, I don't know. That's open for debate. However, we transitioned out of our first topic into playoff hockey and talking about the Maple Leafs and having laughs there. So all things being equal, I think my comedic bit at the end was no more egregious than us talking about the Leafs for 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what we're talking about, and I kind of want to move along to another idea that I had, is just the idea of context and like what um, what is the best platform for you know, displaying yourself or having particular kinds of conversations. And I was thinking uh, how much I, I, I kind of like Reddit, especially for the NBA board. I think the 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 reddit boards are good because they're moderated it's a community of, generally it's a community of people that are somewhat familiar with each other and there's but, moderators there that if there's behavior that's bad sorry go ahead mike well i was just going to say like you're you're essentially talking about like the different platforms tiktok instagram all yeah. these things right to express oneself the thing about a reddit board for an nba is they're all there to talk about a specific thing mm-hmm. most of these platforms though are actually like expressions of individualism without like a centered or a central subject mm-hmm. So, oh, no, absolutely. So I guess my, my question for you guys is what if we were to go through, let's say Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Reddit, what do you think is his main purpose mm-hmm. and what do you think should be just like <laughs> not even engaged in, right? Because I think like Instagram, we could probably all agree that it's best. It's the best photo sharing app. Like, yes. I don't think it's good for like, <laughs> no, 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 I know that's yeah, obvious, yeah. but I'm saying like, I don't think it's best for like necessarily... Maybe it's actually okay for academic sharing things, but it's not the best video app. It's not the best app for jokes, I don't think. Um, Twitter is probably a really good news source for the most part. Uh, TikTok is probably the best comedy. And education, I think. I think TikTok's very underrated. I learned about my electricity bill in 11 seconds. Like what actually matters? Does it matter if you keep your lights on all day? What is really sucking your uh, or making your bill go higher? So things like that, I find I'm always just learning at random, and it's it's sticking in my mind. Hey, where did we land on that uh, that that hydro thing? What, it doesn't what really it? matter the- if you leave your lights on. You're being charged such a minimal uh, amount. What? Oh, really? It's all in the heating, heating and cooling oh, your house. Interesting. 
Mike, what, what, do you, what do you think? Like in terms of like, because basically what we're talking about is like, how do we moderate ourselves, you know, in terms of like engaging in content in ways that feel okay? And I know some people really do get off on like just being trolls, but like, how do you think about like each kind of app and what you use it for and how that makes you feel good? And when does it make you feel bad too? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think it's like, it's a larger question about what content is and what these social media platforms are and their place currently in society. And I've told you guys before about our buddy Populous's theory that social media is essentially like smoking for our generation where we're going to look back on this in 30 years and we're going to realize how sort of toxic and terrible it may have been. And the Bo Burnham special touches on a lot of this. uh, That's sort of thematically where he's going. Personally, it's like I've kind of shifted to this, like my Instagram at this point is like an archive for Winona. It's like, I I want, I want it to be something that she can look back on in 20 years and be like, Oh, this is hilarious. You know, it's like almost like a, uh, you know, a time capsule. And that's kind of what it shifted to. That being said though, I do wonder if I would be posting more personal social things. If there were social things going on, like if the three of us were at a Raptors game courtside, I would probably post a photo of that, but those things don't currently exist with the pandemic. So it's all home life. So, so I get something out of that and sort of it being about her, Twitter, I don't tweet, but I obviously consume NBA Twitter to a large degree. I find it wildly entertaining. I think it's like some of the funniest like sort of discourse on the internet. But of course, I'm into the NBA, so that's great. But there's so much other like toxic stuff and, you know, with like the, the back and forth. Somebody will say something and then it's like a bajillion comments telling them why they're wrong. And then that person finishes it. And it's like that stuff I've actually disengaged from and I, I barely go on Facebook anymore. So I do wonder, and, and this is kind of a thought for me. We've just joined TikTok, obviously. So, hey man, social media, uh, uh, <laughs> please, please follow us. Um, I, I am constantly being like, I work in multimedia, you know, I'm in entertainment, you know, we make commercials. So I have to have, I have to be aware and I have to understand how these things work. But personally, it does get draining for me or, or, or intimidating for me to sort of think about engaging or creating content. And you two guys are content, you create a ton of content all the time, mm-hmm. tons of great content. Um, but it's not something that like uh, would bring me joy or or I feel good about. And I'm constantly trying to think or I'm trying to figure out. I'm like, is this because I'm like, am I just like, am I out of it? Or is it something I wouldn't even have been interested in if I was 25? And I think the truth is I, I wouldn't have been. But I don't know, Shane, you knew me then. And it's like, it's like, I don't. I don't know. Like, I don't know if I'm the best champion for it, but I also can't be a, like an old curmudgeon about it because I realize that it is absolutely a part of how we monetize and how the whole world works. It's based around content and these platforms have become the new, you know, mm-hmm. televisions. We started making commercials for conventional television. These social media platforms are the new television. So it's like, you have to embrace that stuff. Personally, at the end of the day, when I sit on the couch, do I want to then engage in it in a significant way. And I don't know the answer to that. Does that answer your question or was that just a long rant that didn't quite make sense? What was the question again? I don't know. <laughs> he just uh, said hello. <laughs> Hi, Mike. <laughs> um, are, you, are you guys ever worried about, um, about, about getting misinformation? Because Shane, you talk about how there's a lot of information on TikTok. And by the way, in our basketball mm-hmm. group chat, I got sent, um, <laughs> uh, Ash feeds me information that is 99.9% accurate. She did send me a, uh, a tweet the other day that was a Masai Ujiri Twitter yeah, account yeah. that says like, I stay or with the <laughs> Canadian flag or something. <laughs> Hold on a second. Ash wants to defend herself. What? But I correct myself in less than 30 seconds and I didn't send it as fast. 
Okay. Yeah. She. Yeah. So she said, "Can I Save defend myself?" Uh, I correct. I corrected myself uh, in thirty seconds. The problem is w- between the b- in that thirty second thing, I sent it to the group chat. Of course, you're very proactive. Like, Boys, you yeah. stay. <laughs> uh, and then I was like, "Never mind." <laughs> it all happened. That, that, I was like, "Wow, that's how fast misinformation spreads." In this, um, there's another really great article in Harper's Magazine about TikTok influencers, um, and it's called. A uh, letter from Los Angeles, Los Angeles, the anxiety of influencers by Barrett Swanson. And there's a great little excerpt here. And so this like older, like professor writer guy is like sort of shacks up with a bunch of like young, like TikTok influencer dudes that are like in this mansion. So he goes, at this point, I nonchalantly inquire as to whether Chase could maybe brandish a smartphone and pull up the video in question. And I'm soon made to view something called, quote, out of the shadows, which has been posted on YouTube by an account called, I shit you not, Thinking QAnon. Thinking is spelled with a Q, by the way. Later, when I asked Chase whether he's ever heard about the QAnon conspiracy, he says no, but explains that the video must be legit because, quote, it's gone deleted multiple times off the internet, which is insane. <laughs> Estimologically, <laughs> this is where we are as a country. When content gets expurg- expurg- expurgated, yeah, that's the word, um, because of blatant misinformation, it is taken as a sure sign of that source's truthfulness. I was like, that's, I was like, this is interesting. Like there are a generation of Gen Zers that, you know, are, are getting information from a lot of different places and the relationship with like what's true and what's maybe fake is, is very confusing and, and very new. I yeah. wonder what it what it means for like how people view authority or like institutions that we've just sort of had for the last hundred years. And it's like, like they're, they're the next generation. They're going to be the ones that have to figure out. They're going to be politicians in the next 15, 20 years, maybe even sooner, you know? And how does that shape things? How do you like, do they believe in, in, in order? Do any of us believe in order anymore? Like I've, I've tons of, not tons. There are peers of mine on social media that, you know, don't want to believe anything, whether it's vaccines, whether it's, you know, lockdown precautions, things of that nature. It's just this thing that sort of crept into society in such a massive way. And I don't know if Donald Trump was sort of like, just like he he like lit gasoline that was already sitting there, or if he was the sort of the start of this new way of like thinking, you know, post-truth, nothing's, nothing's real. Anyone in authority is out to get you. You're getting screwed and you're a sheep if you don't, if you fall in line, all of that Mm -hmm. stuff. And I'm very interested to know how like a 20 year old views it, if they even think about it in a heavy way, or if they're just like, yeah, that's weird, bro. And they keep it moving. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm very mm-hmm. fascinated to know what it's going to look like in 15 years from now. And I was talking to Dr. Drew about this uh, and I know I've been mentioning him <laughs> you, a lot. You drop that every <laughs> podcast now. You and your buddy, Dr. Drew. <laughs> I know I mentioned it a lot, but he, he was saying, because I, I was saying when I, when I told people that I was going to be talking to you, some people were wary and were saying you're an anti-masker or a COVID denier because in the early on, in some ways he was. But he's like, listen, I'm a doctor. Information comes and goes. I have to be able to change my opinion. The point is with information, we have to be prepared to get something wrong and then be okay with it changing and then accepting the new reality. Well, this has been the tightrope block for all these leaders right now. It's so hard because it's like if you don't give a definitive like call to action, then people are like, does this person know what they're talking about? But when you do and there's new information coming in that contradicts what you just said, then you look like a liar or you're an idiot. So... Yeah, it's very hard. And I mean, ultimately, that's like, and not to talk about Donald Trump, but like that, that was one of his greatest sins that he he talks so much shit. It was just like, what can we trust and what can't we trust? And now I find it interesting, you know, John Stewart was just on Colbert espousing this idea that maybe it did start in a Wuhan lab. And, and it's a very funny comedic bit. You should watch it uh, if you get a chance. But 
if Donald Trump was doing that exact bit, you'd be like, this guy is fucking crazy and he's dangerous and he's out to lunch. But the bit, you could you can imagine Trump doing the Jon Stewart bit and getting like a rise out of a bunch of people at a rally. It's like, oh, who would have thought the Wuhan flu would be, you know, it's like just going on mm-hmm. and on. And it almost felt like a Trump bit. Maybe for Jon Stewart, if the litmus test is Trump would kill with this bit, he should probably park it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. And, and maybe that's a reason why John Stewart shouldn't have said that. But maybe there's truth to what John Stewart, who I don't know. Obviously, that's a whole different conversation. But um, but yeah, truth is a very confusing thing right now. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I'm going to need to consult with my wife before I even chime in on this. Like, um, <laughs> at all. <laughs> all right. Well, let's talk about burnout. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about burnout. I did, <laughs> you just like saying the word. Burnout. Burnout. Uh, There's a piece in the New York Times about influencers uh, across all platforms, YouTube, Instagram, and most recently, TikTok. And basically, uh, the piece is essentially about, you know, these people are writing and producing and storyboarding and creating these, these, these pieces of content constantly. And how long can you do that for before you either... You know, you burn out, you lose interest. Maybe it's not monetizing the way that you want. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I am actually interested in creator burnout. I know we're going to talk about sort of what burns us out personally, but you guys create a lot. Max, whether it's for the band, Shane with Family Tree, our work, you know, other projects that you're working on. Do you guys get extreme burnout? Uh, and, and, and just in that with when it comes to social media platforms. Well, I feel like you live more of a life of leisure, Max. You're... And I, I learn a lot from you. <laughs> well, well be, no, you're very smart because you're getting a lot done and you're a very prolific creative. However, you are the master delegator. And I found my, my problem was I was just giving myself all these tasks to do. And then mm. after so long, you wonder, when is it going to end? Is, is this just my life indefinitely? You know, I have two children with, and no daycare. And I've got two podcasts. I'm trying to run a business. I have all these TikTok accounts. I'm writing skits, you know. And then in the midst of all this, I found out my mom is sick with cancer, as you guys know. And it's like, is this worth it? Is doing this the meaning of life? Because it it started to become so habitual, just this routine of never not working that it felt mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm just going to continue this forever because I'm so acclimated to it. But once mm-hmm. I took my foot off the gas and started doing what you do, Max, which is getting people to do favors, uh, mostly for free. <laughs> 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 I, I found it took such a weight off my shoulders that the creative process <laughs> became fun again. And then you you realize why you were doing it in the first place, right? Because you love it. But with the work part, I fucking hate it. I hate sitting down and editing something I shot for a long time. It's like, if you can, let other people do that. At least don't go pedal to the metal always. for like Set a limit. Say, I'm going to try my hardest here and do everything for six months. And then if in, if I can after that, I'll start offloading to people. And that that was basically my plan. And I found I'm breathing a lot easier than I was before. Well, I think you get something to that. Like that's that's the beauty of teamwork too. Is like you you have different people that care about doing different things. So like the idea of me struggling through like an edit on fucking GarageBand or iMovie or whatever it is, it was like I would want to kill myself. But there are people that love that kind of work and find it meditative to, to, to dig into an edit and to get it just right. Uh, and those same people probably don't necessarily like love going for walks and calling five different people and thinking about this, this, and this, and which and that's what I really like to do. Um, so I think you're right though, Shane. It's like you really have to um, 
sort of monitor your system, be like actively listening to your body and kind of check yourself. It's like when, when something feels bad on your system, you go, okay, I got to stop. I got to go do something else. And that's obviously I'm in a position of luxury that I can kind of afford to do this stuff. And we've been able to like build up a, a group of collaborators that allow me to do that. But, um, I think, yeah, Ash is usually pretty good. She can tell like when I'm like, Max, you're, you're becoming grumpy. Just do something else. Cause it's like not worth your time to, uh, to, to keep yeah. struggling with something that that could be farmed out to somebody who could actually do it much better and much faster and we'd achieve the same goal. But I do I do really um I think it took me a minute on TikTok to figure out how to engage in it properly and there's probably like a month period or a month and a half where I was just like kind of constantly miserable to be like oh but I got to do the thing I got to do the thing and I didn't cuz I didn't quite understand how the app worked. But now I feel much better but I don't put pressure on myself to make a TikTok every day. I'm, I'm, I have like a, a more like tender, soft relationship with, with TikTok. Like I'll, I'll go to it when it's calling my name, but I don't like, I don't seek it out every single day. That Just the fact that TikTok's calling it. your name sometimes seems like you may have a problem with <laughs> Maxi, Maxi, Maxi. Um, but uh, actually guys, um, sort of related, unrelated. Uh, I went to a cottage this weekend, and I know we talked about. We TikTok about it. Also, TikTok it. Yeah, we TikTok so about check it. it out. If if you if you haven't started following us on TikTok yet, dear listeners, check it out now, and you'll see Max at the cottage. Very funny talk. So, oh, thank you, thank you. Um, so my question though for you, so basically, um, the first night I went to Ed Robertson's cottage from Bare Naked Ladies. Oh, there's a flex. <laughs> Shane's hanging out with Doctor Drew. You're hanging out at Ed Robertson's fucking yeah. cottage. <laughs> Uh, was he there? Is this because? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He invited he, his family. Invited. Us is this because he wrote a song uh, about Arkells? Were you so there for one week? <laughs> no, we were there for <laughs> no, just one night. Good job. <laughs> one night. Um, but but yeah, it was very nice. He's got like a really great spot. Um, but you know, going up to the cottage should be this very relaxing thing. But I found myself like the whole drive up, like I was very anxious because I was worried about getting out of the GTA traffic. And then I was like, what are we going to eat? And just like my normal routine was kind of like thrown off. Um, But I did bring my Globe and Mail with me because I really wanted to to read the paper the next morning because that's like become a part of my my routine in the morning. So the next day, I kind of got up before everybody else. And I was like on their sort of front beautiful patio overlooking the water. And I had my newspaper and then like Ed comes out. He's like, where the fuck did you get the Globe and Mail? I was like, I had it delivered to the house. I, I changed the route. Um, but it got me thinking. And then we went to another cottage the next day to our other friends who's having a birthday. Uh, our friend Brent. Um, and Brent who? Who's a famous um, Brent? Who could it have been? Brent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are there any famous, famous Brents? Brent. Are there famous Brents out there in the world? Brent a country singer, I feel like. Brent no, that's Brett. Mm-hmm. Brett Kessel. Oh. Uh, Brett Hart. Brent. Ooh. Are there no famous Brents? Brent. Maybe there's no famous Brents out there. Um, I'm looking this up while you talk. But basically, uh, I told them, I was like, listen, I have a routine. That I like to have my coffee ready to go the night before so I can just hit the button. So show me how your coffee thing works because I'm going to read my newspaper in the morning. And also, I just came out with it. I was like, I was I sort of, I tippy-toed at Ed's Cottage. But for Brent's, I was like, don't talk to me for the first half an hour of the day, okay? I'm going to be out on your front veranda. I'm going to be reading the paper. I'm going to be drinking this coffee that we're preparing right now. But no one talk to me for the first half an hour of the day. So even if you're getting up and you feel like you the need to host and to make conversation, don't do it. Is that rude? You said that Should to I? Ed? 
<laughs> no, I no, I I didn't say that directly to Ed, but I said that to Brent. Well, oh, what's okay. rude Next is day. that you weren't willing to say it to the famous person, mm-hmm. but you were perfectly willing to say it to your less famous friend. <laughs> well, we don't know. It could well, have been wait, Brent we... Musburger, who is the most famous Brent according hey, to my Google I, search. I got it. That <laughs> was, was the only Brent that came to my mind. Was it Brent Musburger? That's what I said. Yeah, were you with Brent Musburger? Uh, I was. I was. Okay, he called the games that we were watching too. It was good. Uh, was it rude as a guest? Yes, it's rude, and I, of course it is. Mm. But 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 when you're cl- <laughs> when you're friends, when you're pals, you can you can get away with that shit. It's cool. It's like it's like all of us have weird quirks where you go, oh, it's, that's just Shane being Shane, Max being Max, Mikey being Mike. Like we have those things. So you being like, I just want to sit with my paper and drink my coffee. Can you give me forty minutes or half hour, or whatever? Okay, this is a great question. What would your request be if you went to like a friend's cottage, but not like family, like, but, but someone who you had to kind of be, you couldn't be totally at ease. It's not your house. It's not like, uh, you know, your schedule, your routine. What would you ask for exemptions? What exemptions would you ask for when it comes to social niceties that you're like, I need out of this one. I'm sorry. I mean, you, you enter the cottage and you go, just so you know, this is what I need. Uh, two things. Uh, it would just make it, it would just make my experience here much much better. What what would that be, Shane? Well, I feel like Mike likes his towels discarded a very special <laughs> way. And he might, that's a <laughs> I know. So that's a callback if you know it. But if uh, for me it would be, listen, you're gonna want me to maybe cook a meal. I'm a simple man. I like I could eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches every day. I've never really mastered the art of cooking. I'm very nervous to cook. Don't put me behind the grill. I don't really know how to work a barbecue. Something bad could happen. Um, it's like when they put uh, Homer on the, the nuclear device and it wasn't even hooked up to anything, yet it still exploded. <laughs> I'm like that with a barbecue. So I would say, please, I'll, I'll wash the dishes. I'll do anything. Just don't ask me to cook for anyone. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's pretty easy, though. I feel like they're, they'd be like, yeah, we're, we're, we're hosting you. Like, I, I was thinking more like, I would love to, uh, like, what's the thing you normally do at home that gives you pleasure that's like by yourself? What's one of those things? <laughs> <laughs> you set them up, Max. I'll knock them Come down. Come on. Come on. <laughs> okay, Mike, for you, I think it would be like, I need an hour by myself scrolling my, uh, my phone for basketball Twitter at around 10:30. Just don't talk to me at 10:30 p.m. You that you would be correct. It would actually be both. It would it would be it would be that. It would be Shane Shane's thing. Like like I I am the very similar to Shane in my cooking acumen and the pressure of having to make a meal. Like if if you split up meal duties, say you're going up for four nights and you have to take a night, that is very nerve wracking and I'm not good at it. But 100, percent I would love to have just an hour in the morning to sort of sc- scroll basketball Twitter and giggle to myself. Uh, but I would never ask for it. And that's the difference, Max, between you and I, is I would just sort of meekly go about my day and try and be a good guest, whereas you you are not shy about your needs and you vocalize them. And that's why you get what you want. But I think everybody has these needs. So I think it would just be great for at the start of a cottage weekend, everybody goes around the table and he goes, yeah, everybody gets one. What's the thing? No questions asked. You can have that thing. It could be up to an hour and no one will bug you. Then the place is yours. Are you famous because you request these things or do you request these things because you're famous, Max? Great question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Good question. Like, do I have an extra confidence because uh, people think I'm famous or have I always been like this? I think I've always been kind of like this. And do you think maybe I've like, do you think that is what made you famous? Because you see something and you're like, I could grab that if I only asked for it. Good, good point. That might be, I think I do. 
you know, if you ask anybody who interacted like with our band in the early days, like for instance, the um, promoter at McMaster University, like the campus events coordinator that would like put on all the shows and stuff. Uh, His name is Jay Duggan, great guy. And I'd go visit him in his office. And I, I was just like a first year student with a band that had played all of like two gigs. And I just like walk into his office in the student center. I'd be like, hey, Jay, like, can we open for a Bedouin Sound Clash? They're coming in. We should probably open for Bedouin Sound So I have no problem <laughs> with asking that. And he remembers that. And uh, I mean, you look back, even when I was in grade seven, I was like, I'm going to call the general manager of the Toronto Raptors. I'm just going to interview him because I think I should just do that. So yeah, I, th- I, think, I think they're tied together for sure. Um, anyway, let's... Uh, Shane, surprise time? Oh, I think it's about that time. Okay. Yeah. So I wanted to read a recent comment, Max, and you brought this comment to my attention. Okay. So obviously we just started a TikTok. Our videos, some of them have gotten quite popular and brought attention to us. And Mm -hmm. when that happens, usually I get a couple of hate messages. And, and, you know, (laughs) as we talked about off the top, I, I get these all the time. Like I just, I just, my kids just took a COVID test and I got a lot of hate for talking about that. But uh, this comment really, it it hurt me in a way for, for a few reasons, but okay. So obviously they checked out our program on Crave and they messaged us and said, this is such a terrible program. Is it only because (laughs) they live in Toronto and that they can do this show? The absolute worst. Now this is in capitals. The absolute worst is in capitals. The worst part is the so-called pop culture person. If that's what passes for a pop culture person, I feel sorry for whomever produces this show. That's you, Max. (laughs) Even if he wasn't so creepy looking, (laughs) he has no clue how to interact with people in pop culture. Mm. Here's the part that really hurt. This is one of the only times (laughs) I feel embarrassed to be Canadian. And yeah, now, in light of recent <laughs> events, that, yeah, that's my comedy is so bad. It's like made him ashamed mm-hmm. of our nation. I didn't respond to it, Max. Like I'm not trying to uh, Good. fan these flames. But what is it? <laughs> flame, oh, the flame, flame the flames. Yeah. What, they... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? Do, I want to pose the question to you guys. What is it about me? Is it? Is it my face? Mm. Is it? Because the creepy looking thing. Is it my mustache? Is that what makes me look creepy and mm. like, do I have a punchable face? And how can I, mm. how can I change it? Should I shave the mustache? There's a lot of questions here, but I need a lot of answers. Hmm. This is a great question. Well, Mike, do okay. you start? I'll, I'll, I'll start with the, the thing that maybe what, what people are saying is like, you know how there's like a distinct look. Like, first of all, I think anytime you have a distinct look, that is a good thing. It's, it's, it's better to sort of be memorable if like 10% of people feel like it's not a good memory but if if 90% of the people still like if you if if you stand out i think that's ultimately a good thing especially for what you do and what your your business is and all that stuff your look itself is like you know there's like la guys that have like you know you're growing your hair very long you've got the mustache you have like a vibe that would be like it's like it's it's like it might be weird for like your kids like grade seven teacher but it's not weird for like a dj or like a movie producer so so maybe just like on on the look of it they're just like this fucking guy you know with the long hair and the mustache but i think that's just who you are that's just your distinct look and i don't think that's a negative thing even if 10 percent of comments are negative or people just sort of pointing and saying different he's different and i don't like that i wouldn't stress that part i don't think you have a punchable face max well i think if i didn't know you <laughs> 
No, no. <laughs> I think if I didn't know you and I just saw your Instagram and your look, I, my initial reaction, because I've made this reaction about other people that kind of look like you, and this is kind of piggybacking off Mike's comment, is I, my initial reaction would be under my breath, I'd go, this fucking guy. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's what it is. And of course, when you get to know anybody and you get to know like the depth of like who they are and what makes them unique, you of course love Shane, mm-hmm. of course. But but just on a first glance, it's like, this fucking guy, you know? <laughs> and by the way, I might throw myself in that category too. People see me and my big stupid hair or the frilly jacket and they go, ah, this fucking guy, you know? So I'm with you, but uh, I think... You do have a dramatic look. You're you look almost familiar too. It's like you do. You have been compared to many celebrities over the years. So it's like, oh, is this guy fucking Zach Braff or Johnny Depp or mm-hmm. no, not quite this fucking guy. So yeah, I think. And then also, you're you have a fearless brand of comedy. So the fact that you kept a. Str- I, by the way, I've watched the Jason Mraz interview that we posted on TikTok like a thousand times, and I laugh every fucking time. It is such a great piece of work like comedic work and the fact that you can keep a straight face the whole time it's like how is he doing this there's just like a you're you're a very mysterious person and also people that don't know you but know me will be like what's the deal with that guy like what who is he like you know and and so um i think i think that's why you elicit like such strong reactions uh should i shave my mustache oh only you can answer that my friend it will change it'd you. Be, it'd be interesting. Like yeah. it will change the way you're perceived for mm-hmm. sure. And I don't know if that's for the better or worse, but it will, it will be noticeable. I, I, there's been like once a year, you'll come into the office with the shaved mustache and you, you look like a different person just yeah. because it, your mm-hmm. eye, our eyes get so used to seeing the way a shape or sorry, the way a face presents itself when you have that mustache there. Yeah. Well, the gap between your upper lip and your nose feels super like wide all of a sudden. It's like a football field. Yeah, it's not a good look at all. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's it. That's all. That is our episode. Thank you so much for listening. Check us out on TikTok. Check us out on YouTube. Check us out on Apple, wherever you're listening to this, Spotify, all that business. Uh, We're around Instagram. Check it out. Mike, how much? Thanks again. Mm